Hey guys and gals. Spookies and scaries. Turn up your radio, this is your test. It's time for It, it Came, came from, from the, the Midwest. Midwest. Thank you for adjusting your car's radio to this week's episode of It Came from the Midwest, a horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. And Aaron. So go ahead and park, turn that volume up, because this week we are watching Videodrome, what may be the most complicated movie Aaron's ever seen. I was having a rough time for some reason, just following. <laughs> this movie's easy to understand. I don't think so. You got the broadcasting and the David Cronenberg and the TV. No TV and no beer make Homer something something. <laughs> this is also the first Cronenberg we've done for the podcast, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. And we are starting off with one of his most controversial. It's got a huge cult standing today, but pretty famously when they had test screenings for this movie, there was like, no, nobody loved this movie. There was like one really famous test screening where like the comment section, they just wrote in big, bold letters over to the top of the entire paper. It's shit. <laughs> But before we go any further, let's talk about things we are excited for in the horror genre. This is Coming Attractions. Coming soon to a drive-in near you. Welcome back to Coming Attractions. Talking about things we are excited for in the horror genre, Aaron. What are you excited for? Well, we've been really busy and we've been watching Yellow Jackets and we're far behind on Yellow Jackets. We are so far behind on Yellow Jackets. And I think I would consider that a horror. Oh, it's horror. So I'm excited to see where the fuck this is going. Because <laughs> I won't say anything, but this whole show has left me with a big like fucking question mark on my forehead what it be i don't know but do they eat things yes indeed what about you what are you excited for sleep yes <laughs> <laughs> yes oh my god yes the true horror though is not sleeping that's it's rough man i'm looking forward to the next insidious movie that I don't... Have we talked about it on the podcast yet? I think that we've mentioned it, but I don't know if we've, like, mentioned anything about it. Like, I don't know anything about the next one. I know that it's got, like, our entire first cast coming in. And on top of that, Patrick Wilson is directing. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, we'll see what comes of it. <laughs> that series is very interesting to me because it starts off really, really great. I'm not a big fan of the second one, but a lot of people are. The third one I thought was Dynamite. Then we got, what was it, The Last Key or yeah. something? And that one is okay. I think that's the only one I've seen. And so I don't think it's a very good judge of the whole franchise just sure. because, like, I didn't think it was that good. I mean, like, it was, like, not 
awful, but at the same time, I was like, this movie's kind of boring for a horror movie. Didn't feel super scary, so. It's because, like, the twist that they revealed, like, 20 minutes into the movie that wasn't, like, the twist for the movie was way more interesting than what the movie ended up being. Very true. And I'll leave it at that. But, yep, that's what we got coming down the pipelines. Let's talk Videodrome here. Have you ever watched porn and then started to get tumors? No. (laughs) Have Uh, you ever watched torture and started to get cancer? No. (laughs) But isn't the thirst for more porn and more violence just cancer in of itself? It's eating you away at inside. I mean, it's an addiction. Ooh, fat boy is here. (laughs) What? Norman jumped up on the table and it shook the whole table. I love him. I'm very concerned right now. What is happening? He's about to knock something off the table. I just want to point out you were like, yes, it's about addiction. Oh, here comes Fat Boy. I can't help it. I I see things and I just, I have to say something. (laughs) Yeah, this movie is like super interesting. And I'm not a person that's like bothered by that kind of stuff, but I felt early on. It was very much like a, and I mean, you already mentioned it was kind of a commentary anyway, but I felt it. Like, you know what I mean? When it when it opened, I was like, this very much feels like, look at this violence and how people want to not only like profit off of it, but like they're so desensitized to it and almost drawn to watching it and not even thinking about, you know, you're watching like someone be tortured. You know what I mean? Even if they didn't think it was real, I feel like even if it was like, even if they knew it was real they would still watch it is that weird the movie is this odd thing because like when it was made it was politically relevant and here we are 30 plus years later and it's still very politically relevant yeah i think there's still very much like a stigmatization around specifically like sex work like porn kinks like fetishes And I don't think there needs to be. (laughs) I mean, obviously anything in overconsumption is bad. I'm not condoning the abuse part. But like you can stigmatize like the really bad things. It comes to say like a kink, like someone that likes to be dominated. I don't think that should necessarily be stigmatized. And that's kind of what this felt like, right? Like you nasty ass people watching your nasty ass shit. It's like, look. look i feel like we are headed into a very deep conversation so before we go any further how about we just jump into this week's episode so join us will you this is videodrome and now on with the show why would anybody watch a scum show like videodrome why did you watch it max Business reasons. Sure. What about the other reasons? Max Wren is a victim. I woke up with a headache. He has been exposed to Videodrome. I've been hallucinating for a while, ever since... What? Since I first saw Videodrome. His brain is already receiving video images. I think that massive doses of Videodrome signal will ultimately produce and control hallucination. 
to the point that it will change human reality. Soon, his visions will coalesce and become uncontrollable flesh. Videodrome is seducing Max Wren. Please, come to me now. Come to Nikki. And Max Wren can do nothing to stop it. What makes you think I need help? None of our test subjects has returned to normality. Television can change your mind. Videodrome will change your body. Long live the new flesh. It will shatter your reality. Videodrome. Videodrome. Starring Deborah Harry and James Woods. A shocking new vision from the creator of Scanners. Coming soon to a theater near you from Universal Pictures. Videodrome, written and directed by the David Cronenberg, the dude that's like, I'm going to put gross shit in all my movies. I feel like The Fly so far has been like the one movie I think is like super gross. I mean, this is gross, but I don't know. I feel like I was expecting like a lot. Like I was expecting like society level stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but you also haven't seen like Scanners or Rabbit or The Brood. No, but I mean, when I hear Cronenberg, I think of like, here's the thing. Maybe people have hyped it up a little too much for me and shown me the wrong movies because I remember we watched Crimes of the Future and I was like, what are people talking about that they're disgusted? That had to be a lie, at least to me, because I was waiting for something absolutely gross in that movie. And I was like, is it is it because like, his body opens up or whatever like <laughs> what's happening but have we not just come full circle then with like videodrome where we're like eh, i've seen worse yeah maybe it is because i saw crimes of the future and i was like i've seen a body hole before i've seen it get fingered before <laughs> ew <laughs> i've seen it all before put your hand in my hole touch my holes once you've seen it once it's just you know second nature now you just it's like wow i've seen it all They're like wow <laughs> look at all those holes <laughs> cryptophobia right is that what that is all the little holes Fear of holes yeah yeah all right dig them don't up, worry up, oh dig it dig it up oh my up, god oh, oh. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> what the fuck is happening okay <laughs> let's go to our first segment here let's talk about our history with this film let's just talk about david cronenberg too this is a uh, tasty refreshers Refresher. Welcome back to Tasty Refreshers talking about Videodrome. And you know what? Let's talk about David Cronenberg too. So let's start off with the first thing. Aaron, were you familiar with Videodrome before today? I mean, I feel like you've talked about it before, but I get some movies like really mixed up. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, Explain. I think I keep. Well, I think that like whenever you say Videodrome, for some reason, I think of like the. Like the cover of the VHS or the DVD where they're like opening their mouths stretched and you can see the people inside them. Are you thinking Dead Alive? Yeah. And then I also think I kept getting Videodrome mixed up with the rose-colored glasses one. They live. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why because they don't, they're not anything alike. But like for some reason, I just, 
in my mind, I'm like, all of those are the same thing. <laughs> but I don't think I knew like what Videodrome was. And for some reason, I thought it was way more bombastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a it's a sit down and think kind of movie. <laughs> I got to give credit to David Cronenberg. And this makes me almost want to watch Crimes of the Future again. Because I feel like when I saw Videodrome in like high school, I don't want to say I hated it. But it was something where I was like, um, what? But then on every single viewing, it gets better and better and better where I'm like, yes, yes, I understand what we're going for here. And even like you look at something like The Fly and I love The Fly when it first, like not when it first came out. I'm not that old, but when it I first saw it, I loved it from the get go. The Fly is every time I watch it, like there's something new that draws me to it where like it just gets better and better. And I feel like most of his films are kind of that way. So that makes me like interested to do another rewatch of Crimes of the Future. Because man, that movie was just, it's not a bad movie, but it was something where I was like, huh, all right, I saw it, that's it. I think that like you need to go in with the right mindset. Because like I said, as soon as I realized this wasn't like a bombastic kind of freaky scary movie and it was more of like a sit down and think kind of thing but i feel like most of his stuff is that way right but i feel like the fly i mean there was a lot of stuff going on i felt like you know what i mean with this there was too but i felt like it was almost a little harder to follow only because it was like what's reality and what's not you know what i mean and i'm not saying i dislike that i just think that i went in at first with a different mindset so when it all started out i was like what's going on what's happening and then as i got to know it a little more i was like okay this is a movie that like has me asking lots of questions Mm -hmm. which is cool but you gotta be in the move and like those kind of movies you know because i know there are people that just don't (laughs) yeah just like looking at david cronenberg's like filmography they i think they all have something kind of like quiet and thinky about them i mean i hate to go back to the the fly again because like that's the easy thing to go back with cronenberg because like it's fucking good the two things for that that stand out to me are like the the politics of insects monologue he gives and then later on it's where they are doing like spoiler alert he's trying to meld back with the woman so that the baby her and him are like one entity and he's like don't don't kill the baby don't kill the baby like that really stands out to me but yeah he's a Cronenberg is an interesting dude I don't want to say nobody because like obviously the closest person that gets like that Cronenberg feel is Brandon who's his son Mm -hmm. because like man I do love me some possessor that's good. And we still haven't seen Brandon's new movie. Which is? I'm drawing a blank on the title. It's the one with Mia Goth where it's like that Richie, Richie. Infinity Pool. Infinity Pool. That's what it is. I want to see anything with her in it right now, actually. Fair enough. True dad. But yeah, David Cronenberg is an interesting fellow. Like, I feel that he is a dude that he has a lot to say about a subject, but then it gets like put through this prism of these movies he's trying to tell and like. And this is by no means an insult to him because like it works out great. It's just that I think for the casual viewer that like it makes sense to me that like a, somebody saw this movie and wrote this is shit on like a little place card or people are like this movie's weird. This movie's gross. Like I get that. 
but it's a very they're all very unique visions and what he's trying to present yeah well and i think like i feel like a lot of the horror we've watched like even more recently i'll just use jordan peele as an example i feel like there's some people that are like i just don't get it I don't get why it's that good. And I'm like, I think you have to be on the same ideology to appreciate a commentary. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, I think that when you watch this, some people would probably be like, yeah, get rid of this shit. You know what I mean? Like, they might not understand the use of Videodrome for that purpose. But, like, there might be some people like, yeah, exterminate the bad shit. We don't need that. Mm -hmm. But, like... And I'm not saying I'm cheering for James Woods. Let's get that out of the way. And like, but I will say that James Woods' character, I think, is like almost by the end, like he feels scummy in the beginning, but feels more like victim of. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's weird. I think that's what it is, though. Like, if you look at an ideology in a movie, you obviously know how the director or writer feels about a certain topic. And they definitely convey that. And if you don't agree with that, you might think this movie is shit, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that that's something to also, like, at least keep in mind when you have movies that have, like, an overarching social commentary. If you don't agree with it, you're probably not going to like it. I mean, not that Mother had a social commentary, but I mean, it was a retelling or a reiteration interpretation and people fucking hated it. I thought it was great. Because that's that's all the jesus shit well right we're in this like big landscape where we always talk about elevated horror and whatever that means but like you look at this and this came out like in the early 80s and i'm like it's not like ooh, i'm breaking new ground everybody agrees with this horror always always has been like politically motivated has something to say it's got a lot of messaging towards it it's always like stories of like the other and like, I don't know. I just don't get this idea of like elevated horror, especially when you look at this and this movie is trying to say a lot. I think I would classify elevated horror as horror as that nothing. fucking doesn't make sense. Like, like Bo is afraid something that literally fucking doesn't make sense to me. That's what I consider like elevated horror. And I'm not saying it doesn't like, I'm not saying none of it made sense, but I am saying like, Holy shit, I feel like something's being said here. I don't know what it is, but but hot damn. I don't I don't agree with that either because like I've seen people put nope in the category of like elevated horror and like that movie's elevated horror in the fact that the monster is elevated in the sky. Like I think nope is like clear cut easy to figure out what's going on with that movie it is like much as like yeah us also gets put in elevated horror i think it's a pretty clean cut what that movie's doing too like i don't need like the backstory of why these people are here you know what i'm saying okay but like are you saying bo is afraid isn't elevated horror or is no, i'm saying elevated horror is a stupid ass term got you i just like honestly like not all the time I like being fucking confused in the way of like, man, I'm going to think about this forever. I don't like being fucking confused in the way of like, what's the plot doing? <laughs> sure, but I'm saying like, just most of the time the elevated horror are like critics that are like, I can't like horror. It's beneath me, but I like this. So I must justify that it is elevated. No, I get you. I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's that shit. I don't like how about we move on to our next segment here since you mentioned him earlier james woods 
uh let's talk about our cast for this movie this is character combos character combo welcome back to character combos where we are going to talk about the cast of videodrome let's start with the douchebag in the house mr james woods he really said i'm gonna be hades and come come to come from hell <laughs> yeah but i mean hades came out way after this yeah i know it just sucks that he he seems to be like not the best dude because he's quite good in this movie yeah i would say so I would argue that most James Woods stuff before like he started to go like way far right. Pretty good. I don't even know. I want to look this up quick. What's the last thing James Woods has done? It does look like he did his voice again as Hades and all the Kingdom Hearts games. Then he was Lex Luthor in a couple Justice League things. Family guy. Yeah, he hasn't been like like a character in a movie in like some years, but I think he's quite good in this movie, but it also maybe come helps out that Max is kind of a sleazy, scummy dude anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. It's I feel like we go from a man having like a nasty ass kind of soul to a guy that literally just wants to die. Do you know what I mean? Like, man yeah, gave of. up his soul for the porn. <laughs> Giving it up for all that food. Well... I think he's good in this movie. Like, I actually prefer the woman who is, I think, like a fake therapist. I don't know. Like, fake median Nikki, the one who's like, I wear red. Do you know what Freud says about red? And I'm just like, God damn it. If I hear Freud again in my life in the next fucking week, I'm going to. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. I've heard Freud so much. Yeah, you mean uh, you're talking Debbie Harry who played Nikki? Yeah. Yeah, she's quite good in this movie, too. She is. And it should also, I guess this is kind of a fun fact. Uh, Debbie Harry's pretty famous for being a blonde, and she dyed her hair for this movie. She looks really good, like, in it, though, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> What's funny is I'm trying to think, I'm like, I feel like there were a lot of people in this movie, but not necessarily, like, a lot of characters. That makes sense. Like, we get glimpses of, like, what's his name? Dr... Oblivion. Ryan? Oblivion and his like daughter or whatever and we get a glimpse of the older woman and eventually our villain question mark but I mean like I don't want to say their characters aren't memorable I just feel like they don't have mm -hmm. a long enough screen time to like give me an impression you know what I mean also should mention like you know who Debbie Harry is right I think so like who is she an actress um yes but like who is she she's a singer of a very famous band joe's seen the pussycats no <laughs> she looks like one okay blondie she? oh she is blondie yeah she's the lead singer of blondie okay i get what you're saying because like i think most of the characters that we interact with throughout the entire movie are are people who are just like bumping into like our main characters like because like it's obviously like max going to work and he's got like his producers and his bosses and he's dealing with other people selling pornography and yeah they're characters but like you don't see them like interacting with the plot too well, much 
and I feel like that's part of it too. Like as far as I mean, I could say a main player is the guy who technically quote gets the transit gets the transmission for him initially because he does play a role like later. But I also don't feel like he actually played that big a role. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he did, but he didn't because we see him get it. James takes it, watches it, later talks to him, and, you know, we find out the big bad news or whatever. You know, I don't know. It just feels a little weird that I'm like, yeah, there are lots of people in this, but I can't really tell you how much they matter. I mean, they all, like, contribute to mm -hmm. James getting to his plot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it's the movie is focused on Max. It's almost like a one-man show in that regard. Because even when we're introduced to like who our actual quote unquote villain is for this movie, it's kind of like he comes out of nowhere where you're like, oh, I guess he's the bad guy. And then like you don't see him very much. So, yeah, I, I think that this isn't me complaining. That's just how it has to be, because like the point of the movie is like all the horrible shit that Max is seeing or Max is dealing with. So why focus on these other people? Right. And what's so weird now that I think about it, I feel like there's like a twist in this movie, but it didn't feel impactful because I was so confused as to what was going on. <laughs> like for me mm -hmm. personally, because I even had to ask, I was like, what's happening? <laughs> but yeah, we have, we talked about Dr. Oblivion. He's interesting. And in that his first like quote is that I don't like television. That's why I'm on television. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, in terms of like he is a character here, but he doesn't he does interact with people, but he doesn't interact with people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it's hard to talk about these characters because I feel like I mean, like I said, not to be rude, but they don't really have development. So like, you know, they're just used for like, here, take these tapes of Videodrome or no, you can't have videodrome because it's political and then it's like done you know what i mean yeah it's i because I, once again because the movie is centered on max like i'm not sure that we need character development or character growth from the other people mm -mm. so i don't know it, it feels like we're complaining about the cast of this movie and we we are not doing that the cast is quite like good yeah, it's more like we just don't really know what to talk about aside from James Wood's character because he's kind of the thing, you know, like, yeah, and I think he's good in this movie. <laughs> so that's our cast. Then obviously, like Debbie Harry, who. Yeah, yeah. Which she has a recurring like theme and it's basically sexy. <laughs> yeah. And then essentially she is like the voice of the Videodrome. Yeah. So that's interesting as well. So yeah, this is a this is a hard movie to like kind of dance around when you're talking about it because there's just so much that happens in it. So let's just not do that. How about we jump into our main plot here? We're gonna jump into killer slices as we slice and dice our way through Videodrome. Once again, killer slice. Killer slice. Welcome back to Killer's Slice as we slice and dice our way through Videodrome. Andrew's going to have to help me a lot because I, God, there are a few times I was like, what is going on? 
All I know is there's a woman talking to me, and she sounds like she's patronizing me in the intro of this movie. Because she is. I mean, the movie starts off, we don't know we're in, like, the living room or the bedroom of, like, Max yet. But it's him on TV, and it's the Civic TV station, like, basically, like, a public broadcast station. And what happens is that his assistant records like a videotape of herself going like, Max, here's your schedule for the day. Remember, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this. And she must do it every single day. And it goes off and it's like his alarm because the yeah. the TV turn is on. It's her there. And I think this is important for like the theming of the movie because we have later on Dr. Oblivion talks about that TV is going to incorporate all of our lives and how it's going to be there. And we start off with the movie of like literally the TV telling Max what his daily routine is. And then it cuts to Max and he's looking at like stills from a porno, I think. I mean, boobies. Yeah, we find out that Max is a producer for this civic TV station where he's trying to find like risque things or like things that are going to rise out of people, like things that are going to make sure that people are watching the TV station. And that's his job primarily. Yeah. Cause he's like, we're a small station. So we're like, we need to do things to keep afloat. We need to give people things like that they deserve or they desire. So we start off and it's Max, like looking through still images and stuff. Seems to be a lot of like Asian focus material he's looking through. And then he comes to the civic TV station. And it's a group of like investors that they bring in a movie called like Samurai Dreams or something like that, where it's like a little it's like this geisha woman that she goes up to a doll that is a surprise dong. Dude, I thought it was like a shoe. It turns out it was not a shoe. <laughs> it, it was like the world's worst Russian nesting doll. We're like slowly pulling apart. Up, oh, it's a dick. Surprise. <laughs> so they're watching this. I mean, for lack of a better word, it's a porno. Because that was another thing too, is they're they trying to sell the entire set. And he's like, show me tape 11 or something. Because he just wanted to get into the nitty and gritty of it. Kind of going into the focus of like, Nobody cares about the story. Nobody cares about this. People just want the like shocking thing to see. And they're watching it and they're like, yeah, this is boring. It's like, too... they do look bored. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember the term they say it like, like not comforting. Like it's just too soft or something. Mm -hmm. And then, so he goes downstairs, I think, I don't know. It's still in the same building to like his tech guy. Yeah. I think is what it is. He's a pirate, not like a arg pirate, like a, Ha ha, I'm going to steal your junk mail or something. I'm going to steal your junk mail and steal your movies. Arg. Yeah. <laughs> and so he states he's like. Yeah, this is Harlan. It's his like, yeah, his tech techie dude or something. Like partner in crime, kind of. I kind mean. of. And so Harlan like says, hey, I think I pulled something out of like Malaysia. And it's video drone right i mean he's like i found a satellite or whatever and i'm pirating it and it's basically this woman being like tortured beat to shit in this clay room or whatever yeah and he's like rip that shit and put it on a videotape i want it yeah because that's what he's saying is that he's trying to figure out where the tape is coming from they can only watch it for like 30 seconds or something like yeah. that because the tape is scrambled and he says that whoever is broadcasting the signal, it, it, they have like a, a de-scrambler, scrambler is how he puts it. So they can only see brief glimpses of it. And yeah, it's just this like horrible footage of these like guys in hoods and stuff just 
like assaulting this woman and that's it there's that's all you see of it so then we cut to it is like a news program we have three guests on the program we've got max is on there talking to the, the civic station we've got dr oblivion who's there via tv and then we've got <laughs> nikki who nikki we come to find out i don't know if it's during this interview it's definitely after this interview she runs like a self-help sort of like radio talk thing but it's more like glorifying like the bad stuff almost like a yeah, shock, like it... shock jock or something yeah yeah and man this woman is like out for max like she's like so basically she's kind of like what does it feel like to put porn on tv and be an absolute sick person yeah he says it's a matter of economics somebody has to do it might as well make some money off of it and then he also says that if we showcase violence and sex and people are watching that on TV, at least they're not going out in the real world and committing those acts. Yeah. And I, I don't know, like things move really fast between him and Nikki. Like, oh yeah. They hit it off like, fast. He's like yeah, already it's like, like in a flash. Yeah. It's crazy because he's like looking her up. He's like, you want to go out? And she's like, well, it's your fault. Or, or he's like, it's your fault for wearing red. And she's like, why do you think I wore it? And I'm like, what is fucking happening? Like, what is happening? And even the woman's like, Dr. Oblivion, <laughs> what do you think? And then he just keeps going on. She's like, Jesus Christ, why are these people here? Well, it's it. this is important because Dr. Oblivion's talking about, like, he will only appear on TV on a TV because he believes that TV and the television set is the retina of the mind's eye. He says that essentially TV is going to become, like, self-focused with our everyday lives soon all of us are going to have names that we associate with tv and this is the scary shit in this movie where i'm like holy shit never has this movie been more politically like accurate to goings on than this current moment we're living in right now where everybody literally is carrying around like a tiny little tv in their pocket non-stop mm -hmm. so i'm like he was right He's totally right. And so after the show, Nikki and Max end up together and she's like, I want to see this video drone. And they're watching it and she's kind of like, you know what? I want to go on this show. I think this show was made for me. And they're doing the sex. And this is where it starts to be weird because like they're having sex and they like, like they materialize like in, in the room, in video drone, in video drone, but like. Not forever. Like we see it and then I think it cuts, doesn't it? Yeah, I want to back up here a little bit because like while this is before we get to this moment, it is Harlan that he is breaking down more and more information about Videodrome. And he says that he finds out that the signal is not coming from Malaysia. It's coming from Pittsburgh and they're bouncing mm -hmm. it off of Malaysia. And Max is like obsessed with Videodrome. He's just talking about like, look how low the production value is. There's no story. There's no character development. There's nothing, but like you can't stop looking at it. It's infectious. Like we got to figure out how to get the rights for it. So he sends Harlan on the case to try to figure out how to get contact information and figure out how to get the rights to Videodrome. Mm -hmm. Also should be important to notice, like I, we haven't discussed this, like why is this called Videodrome? I don't know. <laughs> they make a reference that it's the cyclodromes and like the Colosseum and stuff like in ancient Greece. It's where like gladiators would go to battle to the death. So the Videodrome is like the battlefield of like our mind with like all the broadcast station and TVs. 
it's the it, the oh. video drome is where north america will be fought i think they even say it in the movie okay so yeah nikki comes nikki's like obsessed with the show as well and like they get into this like really weird sadio sadio <gasps> sadomasochistic yeah uh, sadomasochistic why can't i fucking say the word sadomasochist yes yeah, sadomasochist what the shit like relationship i forgot about this yes he like pierces her ears and like licks her blood yeah. and i'm like AIDS. dude aids hepatitis like please you need to stop covid <laughs> and then he like licks it and he like impales her in the other ear i'm like that's where all the germs come from well and then he like lingers on her ear and i full-on i'm like well this is a cronenberg movie is he gonna like just bite it off and you know we're just gonna start going downhill from here is he going to eat her but nothing happened so then we cut to like i guess the next day and here it's this woman that obviously Max has some sort of relationship with. Like he's obviously bought stuff from her before. Yeah. But it's this woman named Marsha and she brings in like this softcore porn that I can't remember the title of it, but it's like something about like the Odyssey or something. It's like a weird, like softcore, like Greek spoof type thing but he keeps saying that like the greek sex is boring and he tells her that he asks her about videodrome he goes and he tells her about what it is and she says that like that sounds gross that sounds like a dangerous pathway we're going on and he once again brings up the idea better to watch it on tv than do it in the streets yeah he he very much justifies a lot during this first part of this movie which this is my conversation for you and this is where like it might be a little controversial conversation do you think Max is correct? I think that people like to, so like, I would say this, I don't want to say this era, but at least within the last 10 years, it's definitely been like a, well, if they play GTA, they're wanna going to want to go out and fucking rip people from their cars mm -hmm. and shoot them. And I'm like, I don't think so. I don't think Maybe. so either. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think there's a correlation necessarily from being exposed to sex and violence leading to sex and violence in your own life. I'm sure there might be some sort of correlation, but like there's so much uncontrollable variables within that. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Because I think that someone could be drawn to that maybe because either they're stimulated that way they may have been abused in it you know what i mean like there's so many things that like come into play i don't think you could get a it's like that does correlation cause like lead to causation you know what i mean yeah i i and, was and i don't think there's a straight line i was more specifically asking like is he doing a public health because by putting sex and violence on TV, somebody that would normally be involved with that, they have like their quote unquote appetite like fed by watching the stuff than actually doing the stuff. I think I'm a believer of so like the end all be all of this right. I mean, is that there are people that are very much like this should not be allowed anywhere, right? Like, people who watch this are just bad people, even if yeah. it's not their channel, like porn in general, right? I'm kind of a firm believer of, like, if you prohibit something, people will start to do it anyway and actually feel more propelled to do so. Mm -hmm. So I think there is some truth to, like, give it to them so they don't have to do it illegally or, or feel stigmatized for doing it. I don't think in this case that, like, the torture and violence is great but in a general sense like you know as long as it's not being an overconsumption, i mean people do watch porn and it's healthy like do you know what i mean like 
also I think that people being like it shouldn't be allowed is like just kind of silly you know mm -hmm. and maybe that's controversial because maybe some people are like people shouldn't watch porn I'm of the idea I guess that like it can be healthy like it's just a part of being someone with a sex drive I think you know what I mean Sure, I but I also think that anything that we could see as healthy can become a problem. That's what I'm saying. Overconsumption. Yeah. I mean, people drink, but when you drink in overconsumption, it can lead to an addiction, right? So but, people have vices, but like... I mean, because just because I'm looking at a few of them right now, somebody that's really big into Funko Pops, if they're like, I got to buy every single one of them and like they're wasting like all their money on them and like their relationships are based around like, I got to collect this one thing and stuff. Well, like that's not healthy either. And that is a point as to where we start to like look at a diagnosis for like addiction, right? Because once it starts impeding on your life and your money and your circumstances, it's become maladaptive all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but I think we're just talking about in general, right? Yes. Like, so general consumption of something is, is usually okay. I mean, I'd, unless it's illegal, I guess, don't do that all the time, but. <laughs> Welcome to the controversy podcast. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying to consume meth in a general amount. I don't think meth is like super great for people, but, um, you know, don't drink and drive kids. <laughs> 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 so what we've come to find out is that nikki she says it's like on a business trip but she said she's gonna go to pittsburgh and while she's there she wants to audition for videodrome max tells her no he tries to forbid her and she says that she was made for that show he says nobody was made for that show this is where she lights up a cigarette and she puts it out on her chest but then hot hands him the cigarette yeah where you totally know we don't see it he fucking burned her with that cigarette some more oh yeah he looks very concerned though like i think that she's i don't definitely think that's concerned this... really i think it maybe starts off as concern and then it turns into like this is hot this is hot i don't know i feel like his facial expression very much like read i'm not sure about this but I could be wrong. Kind of. I'm thinking it's a thing where it's one of those things of like, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's hot. <laughs> that sort of thing. Like trepidation, I guess. Because we, the other thing we know that that had to have happened because we come to like a, a restaurant or something where he's with Marsha again. And man, we talk about Sigmund Freud earlier. He is fixated on that fucking cigarette. Yeah. And she basically said, no, you cannot be involved with video drum. Like this goes deeper than what you think like this is dangerous this is like a political thing yeah, this is like, marcia she says that yeah she says it's political because she says it's not acting it's real it's it's a snuff show and he's kind of like nah that that can't be come on and then he's like what is it the mafia and i'm like dude even if it was the mafia that's scary as shit like <laughs> come on <laughs> yeah she says it's snuff tv that has a has a philosophy right he tells her that because she knows who develops the program and he finally convinces her and says, like, hey, if you tell me who it is, I'll buy your show, too, and put it on the Civic TV station. And she tells him that, ba -ba -da -da, it's Dr. Oblivion. Yeah! Right, which he's, like, weirdly kind of next door, isn't he? Like, because he leaves the restaurant and he walks into what looks 
like a well, like an unhoused shelter. Yeah, a little bit, and they're all watching TVs, so we can only assume maybe it's like a testing, like you know, test audience. That's absolutely what it what it is. It is like an unhoused shelter, but like it's all these people in there that they're in these like little crappily made cubicles, all watching different things. And it's these nurses walk around like writing down shit. He goes upstairs with his daughter, right? Or yeah, he meets Sonia, his daughter upstairs. Sonia Oblivion. Yeah, and she kind of says like he's not here, right? Like he's dead. Well, she doesn't reveal he's dead yet. He's, she tells him that the only way you can see him is via the TV. Got it. She said that he'll record something for him and then she'll bring it to him, but he won't he does not meet with people. And he kind of says, Well, you should have him watch video drum because apparently they have it and he doesn't know about it. Cause she's like, he doesn't know what that is, or like well, we've never had that program. Yeah, he says something about like ask him how he feels about video drum, and she goes, Oh, I don't know what that is. And he goes, Oh, then who's being the naive one? That office, by the way, slays fantastic yeah it's like a weird collection of like the world's creepiest objects yeah <laughs> so he goes home this is the first time we see him start playing around with a gun yeah and then his assistant comes in with the videotape that's supposed to be delivered and as she comes in she says something about oh this is this videodrome and she tries to take the cassette out of the vcr and he comes up and he yells at his assistant slaps her a couple times and she transforms into Nikki, which also we forgot to mention this. She's Nikki's been missing for two months now. Yeah. You know what it is. Yeah. But he slaps his assistant. She turns into Nikki, slaps her again, and then she turns back into the assistant and she just makes no mention of him. Like she was like, Oh my goodness, Max, you scared me. Yeah. And he's like, Sorry, sorry, I hit you. She's like, You didn't hit me. Like, huh. Yeah. Like, oh no, you just startled me when you grabbed on me. That wasn't hitting. And he's like, I totally hit her. Well, and I love, doesn't he ask her, like, have you seen Videodrome? And I'm like, dude, not everyone watches your fucking torture porn. That's my philosophy. <laughs> yeah, but she she hands him a tape. He opens it up and takes the, the cassette out and it breathes. I don't know how to better explain that than what it is. But yeah, it like pulsates and goes, Ugh. and he like drops the tape. Yeah. And like you said, this is, I think he goes back to his gun, right? Yeah, yeah, because this is where he puts in the cassette and it's he's watching a thing for from Dr. Oblivion, Dr. Oblivion. This is where he says the battle for North America will be fought in Videodrome. And then he addresses him exactly and he tells him that TV is is less than reality. And he says that what happens is he's going to start having visions as he sees that the doctor has the, a hooded figure come up behind him and strangle him to death. Oh, yeah. And he tells him that he was Videodrome's first victim. He says what it what it is, Videodrome, it's not what's on the tape. It releases a broadcast signal that while you're watching it, it causes a tumor in your brain that causes hallucinations. And Dr. Oblivion was the first victim. Yes. So Max is yelling at the TV. And the hooded figure takes off the mask and it reveals that it's Nikki. Yeah, and TV gets all bloaty and bubbly veiny. and veiny. Yeah. <laughs> and it moans and he like kind of tries to finger it, it looks like. Like, look, it's... She's like going, I want you, Max. And like the screen starts bulging out 
And yeah, he goes up to it and he basically like sticks his head into like the TV screen as like her mouth is like making a sucking like motion and stuff. I hate when the TV breathes. Because it's not even like, eh. it's like a moaning breathe every time. It's just like, it is. <sighs> yeah. And she's like, I want you to come over, Max. I want you to come over. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to stick my head in this fucking TV, I guess. <laughs> So he goes back to Sonia and Sonia reveals to him that Dr. Oblivion is dead, that he was killed and he had a tumor that grew inside of his head due to Videodrome. And she said he was not afraid to die because he thought this was like the next stage of like a human evolution, essentially. Yeah, he thought it was like making another making organ, a new in, organ the brain. in the brain. A Videodrome is what we'd call it. But, <laughs> yeah, but she, she warns him about the tape again, says that. It's going to get worse from here on out as like the tumor grows, but that's what Videodrome is. So mm -hmm. Max throughout the first part of the movie keeps scratching at his stomach, talking about he's got a rash here. This is where he goes home and it's a cool fucking makeup effect scene here. His stomach yeah. is leaking. He's, he's on the couch. He's not wearing a shirt. He's got like the gun holster on and he's watching tv and he's got a gun and he's scratching his stomach until eventually he looks down and like the fucking rash on his stomach has turned into it's it's a it's a tub it's a stomach vagina that's all that's what it yeah. is and he's kind of like i <laughs> i guess i gotta put my hand in here i don't know well, he, he puts the gun in there he like yeah i know in like almost a sexual way of like I'm going to penetrate my my tummy with this gun. Which he does, and then he stops hallucinating, but, like, the gun is still there? I mean, yes. Well, he puts the gun inside him, and then, like, the the stomach vagina, like, disappears, and he can't find the gun. So then he's, like, going through the apartment, digging through things, trying to find the gun. But I think this is where we meet, like, quote, the villain, right? Who owns, technically, <laughs> quote, quote, owns, like, an eyeglass store. Yeah, it, he gets a notification that he's supposed to be delivered to, I believe the company is called like Spectrovision. But it's, Something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's very convex that <laughs> Max gets in a car in, in a limousine. He watches a video where he's like, hi, I'm Barry Convex. And they take him to a Spectrovision. This is where we find out Spectrovision is like a front for a weapons manufacturer. They're like, we'll help your vision and give you cancer. <laughs> Yeah, he tells them that he is the one that developed Videodrome. So he tells them we got to study how to fix Videodrome. So he put a helmet on Max. That's this weird, it, you know what it kind of looks like? Like the prototype for, um, oh, what was that VR headset from the 90s? I agree with you. Like whatever you're going to say, I agree. Because that's what I thought when I first saw it too. What were they called? It was like an action boy. It was something like that. Virtual boy. I think that's what it is. Virtual boy. That's what it was. Yeah, that's yeah, what it was. It looks like an over the top virtual boy. And he says, we're going to put this on you so we can like record your hallucination. So we can try to figure out how to help you. So as he's watching the tape, the guy leaves and goes, I can't stomach this stuff. Nikki walks in the room and picks up a whip asking Max to like spank me, daddy. Yeah, whip her. And so Max is in Videodrome and as he starts to quote unquote whip Nikki, it's revealed that it's not Nikki. He's whipping the TV set and he's whipping it. Whip it good. Where it's revealed oh, yeah. that on the TV is not Nikki. 
it's Marsha wearing like the red dress. Yeah, it was odd. So I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Which then he's at home then, right? Like it jumps to him being at yeah, home. Yeah, he, he wakes up like almost from like a nightmare. Like, oh. Oh, yes, because he wakes up and he sees something curled up in bed next to him. And it's like Marsha dead Marcia in the red dead, dress, yeah. right? And so he calls Harlan and he's like, Harlan, I needed to come over here and record something. And he comes over and Harlan's kind of like, what the fuck, man? I don't see anything. You want me to take a picture of your empty bed? Yeah. And so Max is like in kind of in a huff and he's kind of like, okay, I need to get the newest tape of video drone if one recorded last night or whatever. Like, I need you there in an hour. And Harlan's kind of like, are you bullshitting me? Like, come on. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't want to be a part of whatever. And he's like, it's okay. I promise. Like, I'm sorry. I'm having a moment, but I just need to go. And so they kind of get ready and they go down to the station to see what was recorded and nothing was recorded is what Harlan says. Yeah, because we find out Harlan is working with Barry. There never was like a rogue broadcast that they accidentally stumbled on. Harlan purposely showed Videodrome to Max. I feel like, you know what? Weirdly, so an upgrade like i won't say much but like there's there's aspects of people being like oh i chose you and this feels very much like look look max we chose you <laughs> yeah cuz they 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 say basically that like they reveal their grand plan it's that they wanted to get to max they could get to the public access tv so they could start showing videodrome because good moral people wouldn't watch videodrome but people that are bad people who are addicted to like sex and violence will watch video home. And as he says for a while, because eventually they know the broadcast signal is going to basically give people cancer and either kill them or make them kill people, basically wiping themselves out. They're, they're talking about that. Like once again, the battle for North America is here that, we we as a as North America are behind the rest of the world. We're so far behind and we're becoming soft. Well, and I think too, like this is the point where they're also saying, We've shown it to you because we want to control you. Basically, like, here, Max, here's a new tape. Open up that Vajiji <laughs> in your tum tum and put it in there. And so if I'm remembering right, they do, and like they're like <laughs> They're like, kill your family. Kill um, your parents. Bas- yeah. They're like, kill your partners and sell us the company or just hand it over. Yeah. And I mean, he, he'd be like, don't worry. <clears throat> Pulls it out of his, I got a gun. And it's, and it like drills into his hand and becomes this like mech skin gun. <laughs> yeah. The gun, like there's a lot of stuff in here that once again is like very Freudian. Like the fact that when he gets the gun out of his stomach again, that it yeah, it grows into him. Like, yeah, isn't it like, ooh, the violence is part of him now. You can't like it's it's just who you are. You can't like all I could think about is how if he hadn't turned the safety off, I just don't know how he would reach it. Just you know, bonk people like... on the head with his cancer hand. But man, like Max goes out and he's like, all right. I got this gun in my pocket, walks to the station, walks into his partners. They're like, hey, Max, what's next? What are we watching, buddy? And he's like, done. He doesn't even say anything. He just stares blankly at them. Boom, boom, 
boom. And for some reason, everyone walks in and they're like, oh my God, what happened? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Very odd. They all ended up with bullet holes. Oh no. And I'm the only one here. Somehow they <laughs> somehow they blew up in like convenient That's little so like weird. puncture holes. Weird. Weird. And so isn't his next target is it Sonia? Yeah, Sonia. Sonia. So he goes to the makeshift, like unhoused facility, yeah. TV center. And Sonia is like MVP. She's like, I know why you're here. I, I wanna I wanna pause here, here quick. To kill me. Did you, did you, like, I could be wrong on this. He comes in and she was like having supper or something. It looked like her supper was like a very fine dining setup of like KFC and wine. Yes. Uh, we love a classy bitch. <laughs> but yeah, she's in there and she's like, You've come to kill me, haven't you, Max? And he's like kind of like trying to be yeah. like, No, no, I just came to talk to you. And she goes, No, I know they're using video drone for you to get to me. And she like runs the facility and i think this is the first time we see that not only is the gun like fused with him now it's like a big fleshy like hand like cancer gun yeah and i think before we like i want to say one more thing and then i think maybe we could cut to intermission sure but so she stops with him and like shows him a tv and she's like they they killed her max like referring to nikki like she did go on videodrome they actually tortured her and killed her. And, they used and this her is to like a, yeah, and it's like a deprogramming switch, right? That kind of happens within Max yeah. as far as like, because the TV also like stretches out in its own little gun, and so it's like this fleshy cancer gun coming out of the TV that shoots Max three times in the chest, and then the TV we see like Max's chest with bullet holes. And yeah, we find out that like she has reprogrammed him to like take down Videodrome. She goes, it is your job to take down Videodrome. And this is where she says the famous line for the movie that the video word has been made flesh. Long live the new flesh. And he repeats, long live the new flesh as he goes out on his new reprogrammed mission. And so, yeah, we're going to take a moment here. We'll, uh. Head into intermission, talk about some fun facts, and then come back and talk about the end of the movie. This is intermission. Attention all thrill seekers and horror show addicts. We interrupt your program for an intermission. Welcome back to intermission. Talking about some fun facts for the film Videodrome. So first off the bat, do you know where this movie was made? Like, where's David Cronenberg from? Germany. No. I don't know. <laughs> Canada, where all the nasty freaks are from. We, That's fair. We love you, Canada. That's um, fair. So a couple, a couple things about this movie. Like, th- he's from Canada. Most of his early pictures were made in Canada, specifically like Toronto. The scene where they're wearing that helmet, they weren't sure if who was if the helmet was going to shock anybody or not when they turned it on. Oh, so James Woods is not wearing the helmet. David Cronenberg is wearing the helmet in that scene. Interesting. Civic TV is modeled after City TV, which is the public broadcast station out of Toronto. The sequence where I'm like, man, how far we've come where it's all the unhoused people watching the television sets in the middle of filming that they had to evacuate the building because all of the TVs being plugged in at the same time, broadcasting different images. 
started to blow out some like power cables on, that were attached to the building. We we love us some Rick Baker and Rick Baker did the makeup effects for this movie. Rick Baker has said a couple times this is probably the weirdest movie he's ever had to work on for like makeup effects. Yeah. But like if you look at them how they did like the TV and stuff, it's like very early makeup effects of like what becomes popular for like werewolf movies later on for transformation sequences. They basically made like a latex TV with like air tubes in it that they would like pump air into it. It would morph and move and veins would pop up. The screen is actually like being rear projected every time they have like something on there where the TV screen moves. So it's like a rubber face here that was elastic so it could move and so they could pump air in there and make it bigger, but still mm-hmm. like broadcast. Like even like the sequence where the guns coming out of the TV I guess mm-hmm. that's them rear projecting like static over the TV as it like pulls out. Oh, interesting. And then because they wanted to have like haphazard looks with like the, how the TV breathed and moved, they used a pipe organ that they attached to all the air tubes. Oh. So they would just press random keys so that the TV would like morph and move in like different ways that's cool because of this movie james wood said he would he swore never to be glued in a prosthetic ever again specifically the scene (laughs) where like he was on the couch yeah due to time constraints and budget protocols if you get financing from canada you have to release movies in a certain time frame window or they won't finance your movie they went into this movie technically using air quotations without a script oh god but what i mean by that is they knew exactly what they were going to film it was it was like a basically the first draft script of like video drone mm. they got the money for it and they said you have to start filming so they went in with like the first draft of the script so that david cronenberg was rewriting stuff and changing things as they were filming got you like they knew the like the beat by beat how it was going to go but they weren't sure how to get to those places right i guess the first draft of the script was also way more risque and weird and gory and violent than what actually ended up in the movie and they had to cut a lot of the stuff out to like make the movie oh really a lot of more sex and violence like even the version we saw is like the director's cut that they they added back in a lot of the nudity for example like the dildo samurai doll you get like only a brief glimpse of it very quickly in the theatrical run this movie you get to see that dick in all of its glory nice as I said, this movie was when they first showed it to test audiences, they fucking hated it. It was like one of the lowest ratings ever given to a test screening in history. I don't know if they saved DHS ever in this movie, but those are not DHS tapes that they have in this movie. They're Betamax. Oh, interesting. It's because Betamax cartridges are like two times bigger than VHSs. So they're mm-hmm. e- it was easier to make like makeup effects with them of like the breathing tapes or like other gross stuff to do it that way. And supposedly the ending of this movie was James Woods's idea. But <laughs> yeah, that is our fun facts for Videodrome. So we're going to jump back into the film. We're going to talk about the end of the film, our closing thoughts. This is Bottom of the Box. Bottom of the Box. Welcome back to Bottom of the Box, finishing up Videodrome. So now he's been reprogrammed, and now he's going on his new mission, which is take down Videodrome, long live the new flesh. So he's heading back to like the public broadcast station, and he's standing next to, I, 
I don't know if it's an unhoused individual or not, but it's a guy with a TV outside. We're seeing news broadcast that like, uh, yeah, totally. He fucking shot and killed. He's in trouble. He's going to jail. Yeah. So and he sees they're, they're on a manhunt. He, he's not at the public broadcast. He's at SpectreVision. He goes into SpectreVision. They're having like a dinner or something like no, 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 the no, glasses. no, no, no. That's that's Isn't later it? on. No, he goes into SpectreVision. It's just the actual store. Or they're in oh. the background, like bo- packaging things and Harlan's in there. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Because Harlan comes in and he's like, what are you doing here? You rapscallion. What are you doing? Did you kill Come some on. people? And he's like, maybe I did. And he's like, what did yeah, you do he's to like, Sonya? I got a delicious little, I got a delicious little VHS tape Betamax for you. Why don't you open that little, that little pussy for me? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, cut it out. No, cut it. Nope. Out. Um, <laughs> open that little vagina for me. Except my Betamax. And then he's like, okay, but I'm also going to give you a grenade on the way out. So yeah, he puts his hand in there and like blood starts shooting out of like Max's stomach thing. And when the guy Harlan gets his hand out, his hand has been replaced with a bloody hand, like grenade as he like backs down a hallway, stands up against the wall and blows up. And then Max just walks out of there like a badass. Yeah. And then he goes to that like fancy party. Yeah. He goes to this like conference where like Barry is at. And it's amazing because he sees the guy come out and he's like, oh, Hey, what are you doing here? And he's like, Bam, bam, bam. Yeah, so he runs up at the stage and Barry's like, oh, fuck, it's him. And he's got, like, the skin gun again. And he chases Barry down and not only shoots him several times, Barry drops dead. He grabs a microphone and says, death to Videodrome, long live the new flesh. We're like, anybody who witnessed that was like, yep, that's a crazy dude. Yep, and he, like, shoved his hand gun literally like in his pocket and he's like walk normal <laughs> but like the important thing here is once again i'm gonna assume it's hallucination but we don't know he shot barry but barry isn't bleeding out and dying every bullet hole that he has starts to erupt in like tumors and cancer yeah it's another it's a pretty wicked like makeup effect and so max ends up in like a he's kind of like in an abandoned area Right. I mean, yeah, it's an abandoned shipyard and he goes on to like a dilapidated boat and he's watching the TV and Nikki's kind of like, you done good boy, but there's one step left. You need to transcend. Yeah, I'll show you how to do it. And she's like, you're going to go and basically blow yourself up. Go do the thing. Yeah, She shows (laughs) a video of Max shooting himself in the head. But before he does so, he says, long live the new flesh. And the TV erupts in guts and organs and you know what that's exactly what max does we as an audience see him stand up put the flesh gun to his head say long live the new flesh and bango dango he dead and we've got credits he did the thing and he transcended to tv land where i'm sure all the sitcoms go in the sky i don't know he he's on what is it Nick at night. Prices right. Nick at oh. night. He's stuck at Nick Yo, at night. All that. He's on all that. I meant more like the old school like honeymooners and like I love Lucy. Oh. 
So having seen Videodrome, what are your final thoughts? It's weird. I can't say this is like a bad movie, but I also don't think this is like like a movie that I'd be like, oh yeah, let's watch Videodrome. It's more of like, do I feel like thinking today? <laughs> but you got to admit, like once you see this movie, it's like burned into your mind. Like, like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I agree. I don't, like I said, I don't think it's bad. I just don't know maybe even what to think. You know what I mean? It, it's definitely a cult classic. Yeah, that's fair. But let's talk box office for this movie. How much do you think it costs to film Videodrome? Uh, I don't know. Three million? It cost five million dollars to shoot Videodrome. Okay. I felt like it couldn't have been too much. No, but I think the one big thing that puts it over the edge are the makeup effects in this movie are crazy. Yeah, they're good. How much did it make? 500,000. Too low. 2 million. It is 2 million. It was a box office disaster. It was a box office bomb. Like I said, test audiences hated it. I think reviews okay. for it were very poor, but over the years, big time cult classic movie. As I said, there's been like a lot of reevaluations of the movie where like, uh, this movie's actually kind of brilliant. I think that there's something to say though that like people watched it and they were probably like, this is disgusting. But like you said, as time has rolled around, it's more of like, oh, this is disgusting, but like for a good reason. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so let's rate this movie. How do you want to rate Videodrome? Betamax. How many Betamaxes do you give this movie? Um, Out of five. I know. I think, again, this is so hard because I don't know what to think. Because like this would not be a movie that I'm like, let's watch Videodrome. You know what I mean? But I mean, would you recommend it to certain people? Yeah, I think I would say if you're like i would love to hear your your thoughts on what yeah. this was and what it said i think i'll give it three and a half like a really good three and a half because i think that it's good but i just don't think it's like my thing is i don't know there's something about it that just bothers me as far as like i just don't think i can give it a four you know what i mean mm -hmm. i'm giving it a four I think the movie, for better or for, or for worse, if anybody watches it and they hate this movie, this movie is very unique. It, it is. like all yeah. the David Cronenberg stuff. Like, I know we were ragging on Crimes of the Future, and this isn't the first time we've ragged on it. I don't love that movie, but like, man, that movie visually is like stuck mm -hmm. in my head. Like, it's an interesting movie. Yeah. It's just not like my cup of tea, but who knows? Maybe I'll watch it again at some point and be like, haha, I've discovered something new. But yeah, this I think this movie is saying a lot and like especially now like I think the the message and what this movie's talking about is stronger than ever. Mm -hmm. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode. If you would like to guess what our next movie is, we put clues on our social media accounts. Follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook. We will post clues there. If you guess the movie, we will give you a shout out on a future episode. As always, please go to Apple Podcasts and give us a written review on there. It really helps out the show. We love seeing written comments as well. So please check that out if you have not done so. That is it for this week's episode of It Came from the Midwest, a horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. And Aaron. And we'd like you to have, to have a, safe a safe drive, drive home. home. Long live the new flesh. 
And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of It Came from the Midwest, a horror movie podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Follow us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter handle at ICFTM Podcast. It Came from the Midwest is written, edited, and produced by Andrew Halsey and Aaron Smith.